Hey there, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I get my show on Spotify and all the other places people love to listen? How can I make money with this podcast? And where do I want to host this show? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors so you can get paid to podcast. As an Anchor user myself, I love how easy it is to upload my podcast and the fact I can get to Spotify and other platforms. Plus, I love the fact I can now start making money with my talent and my podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. London, Madrid, Bangkok, Moscow, Cincinnati, and Dayton. From the four corners of the world... From the sports capitals at home and abroad, the day's headlines brought into focus, the issues and events that shape our time, the gem on the Queen's crown, information beacon on the Ohio Valley presents Lee W. Mowen and the sports. We have up to the minute commentary from one of sports' most trusted voices, five-time winner of some award I just thought up. Now, here's Lee W. Mowen and the sports. Good morning. This is Lee W. Mowen reporting. And if you got the reference to that opening, congratulations. You like WKRP in Cincinnati just like I do. Hulu, please bring the entire library of WKRP in Cincinnati to the fold. Okay, thanks. Anyway, that's from Season 1, Episode 3. It's based off Les Nessman's news opening theme. Well, he's about ready to jump on the air for Dr. Fever, which, by the way, booger! And that's kind of the basis of the theme, except used with free music and freesound.org. Also, hopefully, Chai Chai Rodriguez holds up his lead. It's Chichi Rodriguez. Long silence. Hopefully, Mr. Rodriguez holds on to the lead. That's one of my favorite parts of WKRP. Anyway, welcome to episode 64 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And today is going to be an update episode. By today, I mean the week. The last five episodes have been interviews with various folks in the Dayton media and sports markets. But today, it's back to updates from yours truly. And there are a lot to go around. With week six high school football scores, college football scores, NFL scores, how about those Bengals? Who day? Three and one. And also, what else is happening around Cincinnati? The Reds finished yesterday, and they fell in extra innings, but we'll get to that. College soccer, you got two squads in Dayton that are quite good this year. And we'll touch on those as episode 64 runs around. And that'll probably be the last time I do that. That reference is from the kid that was super happy he got a Nintendo 64 for Christmas. I think I got the 64 for my birthday. It doesn't matter. Sorry. So for yours truly... I'm getting closer to 1,000 career broadcasts in my, oh, 12-year broadcasting career, if you're counting college radio. If you're not, then I guess eight years outside college radio. 12 to go as of October 1st, the day I'm recording this. My last broadcast was a men's soccer match between Wright State and Duquesne, where the Raiders won against the Dukes 6-2. I thought that broadcast was very well done. I think I did a very nice job on that. I was very proud of myself after that call. I've also reached over 200 games as the PA announcer for the University of Dayton Athletics. I reached that mark September 23rd as the Flyers softball team held four games at UD Softball Stadium. 
and it was the second game of four where I hit 200 games. Flyers and Thomas More Saints would tie after seven innings. A lot of fun. Really nice day. Really beautiful day. A nice chill through the wind. You see Carillon's historical tower across the way. I always like the view from UD Softball Stadium. So yes, over 200 events PA'd at UD. And I think that gives me 350 and some change. That's counting Wright State and everything else I do. And getting very close to a 1,000 broadcasts. I should reach that by the end of 2018. Heck, I think I should reach it by next month. If everything goes according to plan. International Podcast Day was yesterday. And I didn't have anything made up for that, so... I'm sorry, but yesterday I had an event, very, very special, very important event, celebrating first birthday of someone in the family, so very, very exciting. We'll go into details past that, but it was an event I needed to be at, and I wanted to be at. Also, while I give a nice thank you to Podcast Delivery on Twitter at Podcast Delivery, all one word, for sharing the good word of my creation a couple days ago. Mentioned that if you live in Cincinnati or Dayton, you like sports from there, you should listen to this podcast. So, thank you, podcast delivery folks. Now we move on to high school football scores. As we have a bunch for week six. As I'm noticing that I didn't change that on the document. But we're going to save that for last. I know, I'm mixing things up today. Aren't you excited? We'll start off with college football scores, a very big week around the Cincinnati and Dayton area. Wright State Raiders were off. They will be hosting Ohio State for homecoming at noon Saturday, the 6th. Come on out to Mulholland Field to watch the Raiders tangle with Ohio State. The Dayton Flyers fell on the road to Marist and the Red Foxes 28-17. Cincinnati trailed 7-0 early on to the Yukon Huskies, but came back nicely. And the Bearcats are 5-0 with a 49-7 win over UConn. Miami fell in a back-and-forth battle at Western Michigan. Broncos 40, Red Hawks 39. You have a special event in Xenia's Doug Adams Stadium, named for the linebacker from Xenia High School. It was part of the Ohio State National Championship team in 1968 and played for the Bengals from 1971 to 1974 died from a cycling accident in 1997. Uh, he was 48, 49. He became a dentist after his tenure with the Bengals. And now Xenia's football stadium is named Doug Adams Stadium. And it's the first game for Central State at Xenia since the 1984 season. It's artificial turf at Doug Adams meaning that it's a little different for the Marauders because at McPherson, it's natural grass. And the Marauders welcomed Benedict and Central State fell 24-14. to Like I mentioned, first game at Xenia since 1984. Turnovers were the big crucial compartment of Central State's 10-point loss. You got three straight wins for Urbana as they take a 2014 win at Charleston. Heidelberg and the Student Princes take down Wilmington 44-13. Number 14, Wittenberg, has himself a four-overtime showdown at Denison in Granville, Ohio. And the Tigers come on top 68-66. Wittenberg outscores Denison 30-28 in the overtime frames. Thomas Moore has won four in a row. The Saints defeat St. Lawrence 48-12 from Canton, New York. Mount St. Joseph's picks up a nice 21-7 win against Bluffton. Manchester Spartans shut out Earlham 69-0. And Cincinnati Christian falls to Cumberland and the Phoenix 23-10. Cincinnati Christian 0-6 now on the season. Rough start for CCU and the Eagles in the NA. IA. We look at the NFL scores. The Bengals, like I mentioned, three and one. That might be the first recording. Oops. The Bengals three and one. They have themselves a touchdown with 30 seconds left in the match. Can't convert on the two point conversion, but they hold Atlanta off 37 36. Cincinnati now three and one 
in the NFL. I was a little worried at that game, not just because it was at Atlanta, and I think the Bengals haven't won in Atlanta since 1987, but Atlanta's offense is dynamite. The defense for the Falcons, however, is not. And also, Tyler Eifert is out for the rest of the season with an ankle injury. I was hoping that Eifert would come back this year and the injuries wouldn't be a problem. But I do have a nice feeling about, I believe Croft would be the second-ranked tight end for Cincinnati. I have a good feeling that Croft will pick up the slack. Bengals win 37-36. The Cleveland Browns, very nice showing at Oakland. However, the Raiders catch up and they pick up their first win of the year under John Gruden. The guy that's dropped the S-bomb on Monday Night Football once upon a time. Raiders 45, Cleveland at Browns 42. That's an overtime final at the Black Hole. Meanwhile, the Indianapolis Colts fall by three to the Houston Texans. And Baltimore takes down Pittsburgh 26-14 to on the Sunday Night Affair. That's your local NFL scores. Now, as I promised, high school football scores, week six. We're getting to the point where every computer point matters because, again, in Ohio, not every high school football team makes the playoffs. You have to earn your way. You have to have some wins bounce your way. You have to have some help. And you have to have the computer points on your side. The tougher the schedule, normally the better. More W's means more points. I think you all knew that. You didn't need this schmuck to tell you that, but there you go. Thursday Night Lights, Brookville Blue Devils 48, Oakwood Lumberjacks 14 in a Southwestern Division battle in the SWBL Blue Devils and Lumberjacks. And that's your Thursday night game that was on TV. Now for the Friday night affairs. Twin Valley South hosting homecoming in West Alexandria. Panthers fall to Fort Loramie 52-6. Tri-County North and National Trail got into a U.S. 40 battle, and the Panthers come out on top 24-21. I believe the Blazers had a 14-13 advantage at the half. Bellbrook stays perfect. They're 6-0, the Golden Eagles are. They fly to Germantown and take down the Valley View Spartans 28-21. Bellbrook Valley View is the rivalry. Both schools are kind of near 725. And, yeah... Bellbrook 6-0. Monroe picks up their first win of the year. They take down Eaton 37-0. Franklin defeats Preble Shawnee 21-14. Milton Union edges out Waynesville in overtime 45-38. Middletown Madison stomps Dixie and the Greyhounds 64-8. Northridge with a 44-12 win over the Carlisle Indians. Miamisburg is no longer undefeated. They fall to Fairmont at home sweet Ohio Star City, 25-24. I tell you, Fairmont-Miamisburg, that's a great rivalry. Back in 2011, when I had a couple games on 980 AM to call, that was a great game as well. Turned out that wasn't a great year for the Firebirds. That was... Was that the first game of the 2011 season? I remember. Miamisburg led most of that game, but Fairmont had a late touchdown in the fourth to seal the deal. And Fairmont, who themselves are having a dynamite year, just one loss, they take down Miamisburg 25-24. So great, great win for Fairmont at Miamisburg. Great game between the two squads. That was an exciting match. Northmont picks up a 49-7 shocking against the Lebanon Warriors. Thunderbolts win. Fairborn picks up their first win of the year. They take down Windless Stebbins, 19-7. Skyhawks win. Piqua, 14. Sydney, 12. Springboro, 34. Beaver Creek, 7. Troy with a 49-14 win over Tippecanoe. The Trojans get back on the winning track after falling to Miamisburg last week. Wayne keeps Centerville winless with a 35-21 win. If you talk to most high school football fans in the area, they'll tell you that Wayne and Centerville is Ohio State, Michigan in terms of rivalries. Vandalia Butler 37, Greenville 21. Springfield stays perfect at 35-7 win against the Xenia Buccaneers. Bethel edges out Arcanum and the Trojans 21-20, Bees win. And Sonia Claws a 56-36 win against Mississinawa Valley. Covington 19, Miami East 17, Tri-Village 46, Bradford 21, Bell Fountain 
takes care of Kenton Ridge, 34-7. Indian Lake and the Lakers edge out Benjamin Logan, 35-26. Tecumseh with a field goal, better over Springfield Shawnee, 17-14. Northwestern takes care of the Hill Climbers of Urbana, 24-7. Jonathan Alder, 52, Graham, 19. Fort Recovery, 42, Parkway, 21. Minster, 35, Delphi St. John's, 14. Coldwater, 28, New Bremen, nil. Anna, Takes care of her sales, 41-21, Rockets win. Marion Local flies over the Redskins of St. Henry, 28-7. Layman Catholic takes care of Harden Northern, 41-7. Marion Elgin, or Elgin, I still don't know how to pronounce that. No one's yelled at me. I pronounced it both ways, so there you go. They take care of Ridgemont, 72-21. Lima Perry, 40, Upper Scioto Valley, 6 Riverside 34, Waynesfield Goshen 8, Defiance 28, Salina 14, Wapkaneta takes care of Lima Bath 49-7, and Lima Shawnee with a 21-7 win over the Titans of Ottawa Glandorf, St. Mary 63, Elida 13, Van Wert 60, Kenton 33, Southeastern 28, Cedarville 14, Greenview takes care of Greenan 42-21, Mazin Plains takes care of the Irish of Springfield Catholic Central 62-8. Mechanicsburg stays perfect at 28-7 win over West Liberty Salem. Triad 18, Northeastern 13. As we move on to the second page of the Word document, Alter 55, Purcell Marion 0. Hamilton Baton with a field goal better over Carroll, 24-21 Rams over the Patriots Chaminade Julien, 35 Roger Bacon, 28 Clinton Massey, 49, Bactavia, 0 Troy Christian, 47 Ponitz Tech, 26 and I just now realized I typed Christian as Christian like the name, not Christian like the religion behind the scenes look at the podcast things you didn't even know happened and you didn't want to know that happened there you go anyway Troy Christian 47 Ponitz Tech 26 Crestview 50 Spencerville 49 Wheelersburg 37 Oak Hill 6 Trotwood Madison takes care of the Pirates of West Carrollton 62-14 out of Columbus it's Beechcroft with a 33-0 win against the Meldale Lions of Dayton Fenwick 57 McNicholas 26 Taylor 23 Finneytown nil. Williamsburg takes care of the Astros of East Clinton 40-10. Blanchester, after losing the King of the Road battle last week, they take care of the Tigers of Bethel Tate 49-21. Norwood takes care of Summit Country Day 20-17. An overtime win for Aiken as they take down Woodward and the Bulldogs 18-12. Goshen 41, Western Bound 40. Claremont Northeastern 27, Fayetteville 6, Schroeder 27, Gamble Monteserre 8, New Miami shuts out St. Bernard Elmwood Place 35-0, an upset as Ross hands Edgewood their first loss in the year 10-6, and from Twitter, the Sports Talk wannabes who cover Cincinnati and Southeast Indiana sports. They took a picture of Ross's field, and I happened to notice that the press box was shaped like a barn. And it is. It's awesome. Thumbs up, Ross. I like that. Ross Rams 10, Edgewood Cougars 6. Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy 48, North College Hill Trojan 0, Little Miami 49, Northwest 13, King stomps the Tigers of Withrow, Knights 55 to 6 winners. West Claremont edges Loveland 10 to 7, Wolves over the Tigers. Harrison 43, Oxford Talawanda 35, Winton Woods takes care of Bishop Chatard 49 to 35, and that's from Indianapolis, Bishop Chatard. Madeira 49, Reading nil. Mount Healthy 28, Campbell County, Kentucky 20. New Richmond 56 30 winners over the Hurricane of Wilmington. Wyoming and the Cowboys, 44-7 winners over Deer Park. Indian Hill, 55, Marymount, 13. Lachlan, 19, Clark, Monticeri, 12. Sycamore flies over Middletown in the Middies, 31-24. Turpin, 41, Walnut Hills, 14. Fairfield, 31, Princeton, 13, Indians win. Coleraine, the Cardinals fly over Hamilton, 48-6. That seems to be a recurring pun, flyover, you know, because flight 
in birds. Never mind. Mason, 19. Lakota West, 0. Lakota East takes care of Oak Hills, 41-3. Milford with a 56-20 win over the Anderson Redskins. An overtime winner for the Crusaders of Muller as they hand LaSalle a 21-14 OT loss. Elder and the Panthers take care of St. X and the Bombers, 51-26. Western Hills shuts out Hughes, 20-0. We'll skip this score. And go to the Indiana scores. Union City, winners over Lincoln, 41-12. to Hagerstown, 35. Winchester, 30. Centerville, Indiana, defeats the Patriots of Union County, 27-8. Lafayette Jefferson, most known as Lafayette Jeff, which is just a guy named Jeff in Lafayette that has power to... Assemble football team. I'm sorry, that joke's terrible. Lafayette Jeff, 44. Richmond, 6. East Central takes care of Connorsville and the Spartans, 69-3. Shenandoah, another big win against local Indiana school. Northeastern this time, 55-0. And now for your Saturday games in high school football. First, a cancellation. The Taft Senators were supposed to be at Mergenthaler Vocational Tech in Baltimore, Maryland. That game is reported as canceled, according to ScoreStream, which might be a subject of a future podcast episode. Who knows? Riverview East 34, Jefferson Township 6, as we're in the Saturday games. Thurgood Marshall hands Collinwood out of Cleveland at 49-6 loss. Cougars win. It's Belmont 52 and Dunbar 14, the Battle of Dayton, Ohio. Dayton Christian shuts out Cincinnati College Prep 41-0. to and that's your Saturday games. We'll go back to Friday games, and there are three that I have in question marks. Okay, so the situation is this. Miami Valley Christian was supposed to take on Cincinnati Country Day. I go on score stream, and I see that Cincinnati Country Day won 24-8. However, doing a little bit of research, because the game's listed as canceled, Cincinnati Country Day lost to Doan Community, which is in Cincinnati off McMillan Avenue. That's the first time I ever heard of Doan Community. They're the Cougars. And it's 24-21 Doan over Sin Country Day. I don't know which one's which. Go on joeidol.com and Cincinnati Country Day's rest of the games are not to be counted in points in OHSAA. I can't find anything news-wise on it. So, there you go. It's either Cincinnati Country Day 1, 24-8 against Miami Valley Christian, or Doan Community beats Cincinnati Country Day 24-21. I'm not sure what to believe. If you know, and you're happy, clap your hands. Now, if you know more, you know, let me know. Twitter is at the Lee W. Mallon. You can shout at me and curse at me and whatever, and let me know what's going on with that. Because I couldn't find anything about it. But that's your local high school, college, and NFL wrap-up. And now here's the interview. I'm just kidding. There's no interview today, this week. I don't know why I keep saying today. You think, you think, you know, just doing five interviews, no, it's a weekly thing. I don't know. So I mentioned football scores. What is happening in the world of Cincinnati and Dayton sports? A lot of things. We'll start off with... A disappointing 2018 for the Cincinnati Reds. They're done. They lost in extra innings yesterday. I might have mentioned that in the beginning, but again, first recording, about seven minutes, I was like, no, I don't like this, and I don't want to edit it. So this is the second take, so yay me. Reds finish this year 67-95. and That's one more loss compared to the last two seasons in 2016 and 2017. That means the Reds will have the 7th overall pick in 2019. And this is thanks to Doug Gray and his site at RedsMinorLeagues.com. Again, he was a guest on episode 61. And he put up the podcast for people to listen to. And seems like people liked it. So that was cool. And Doug really enjoyed it. So that, that made me happy. But going on the page, again, Doug Gray runs it. 7th overall pick, it's way too early to say, hey, he's going to be a future Red and a future Dragon. Doug points out at the bottom of the article, top of both ranks, which is 2019 Major League Baseball Draft and Baseball America, also their own high school and college ranked drafts, and Jonathan Mayo, his top 10 college players, 
Top of both lists is Oregon State's catcher, Adley Rushman. All he did in 28 was hit 408 with 53 walks and 40 strikeouts as a catcher. And, you know, catchers aren't notoriously known for having both great defense and slugging the heck out of the ball. I mean, I think the last time you can say Cincinnati had that was Johnny Bench. Again, it's too early to say, hey, he'll be a future Red or whoever drafts first, which I think is Baltimore. At least I hope it's Baltimore with that 115-some lost season. Oh, that was rough. And you think 95 losses, you think the Reds would draft in the top five, maybe top three? This year, you were really good or really, really bad. And I thought the second half would be much better for the Reds. I mean, they were playing so much better to close out the first half. And nope. I was hoping the Reds would win in their last game, but Pittsburgh won 6-5 in 10 innings yesterday. I think it was on wild pitch. Yeah. Another Reds news that doesn't make Reds fans disappointed that there's another close to 100 lost season. The Reds are teaming up with the Chattanooga Lookouts again. They had a 21-season relationship from 1988 to about 2008. Chattanooga would go to the Dodgers and the Twins for mm, about eight, nine seasons, and now they're back with the Reds. Pensacola won it out of the Cincinnati Reds organization. Cincinnati was the only team that they knew as a double-A affiliate. Before jumping to Pensacola, Cincinnati would be part of the Carolina Mudcats, which I believe are now advanced day, not double-A. So what does that mean for Cincinnati? Well, your double-A players are moving a little bit closer to Cincinnati. It's a shorter trip from... Cincinnati to Chattanooga. You don't get that nice beach view from the Blue Wahoos Park. And that's pretty much about it. The players are brought to you by Cincinnati. And Chattanooga gives them the jerseys. They had some really nice pinstripe jerseys. If you remember that look for the Reds, Chattanooga had something like that. Their logo is kind of like an octagonal C and eyes looking out. It's named after Mount Lookout. It's not just like, look out! type of thing. They have a pretty cool logo. So, Cincinnati Chattanooga. I guess you can say, they're together again. I'm sure you probably want to hear Bronson and Royals sing that, but, you know, I'm not him, and I don't know how to get a hold of him, and I don't have a good voice. There you go. So, the Reds draft seven next year, and they'll have a new double-A affiliate in Chattanooga. And everything else should stay the same farm-wise. I think they locked up Billings, Greenville, Tennessee. I think they have another year on their contract. I'm just speculating at this point. And, you know, Cincinnati and Dayton, that's a good relationship. So I don't see that changing anytime soon. So that's your Reds. 67.95. Not sure who the new manager is going to be. From what I see on Twitter, most people don't want Riggleman. Barry Larkin's out of the running. John Farrell's getting interviewed by the Reds. Former Red Scott Red Sox skipper. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how that turns up. And before we move to FC Cincinnati, there was something I wanted to read about soccer. Because it's college soccer season. Brian Reese, who co-owns the Gem City Sports Network, he was a guest on episode 7 of the podcast. He wrote a very touching note about Dayton Dynamo FC. As you know, they took the year off so that they can plan for pros this upcoming 2019 season. I told him if he wanted to record it, I'd slap it on the podcast, but that's okay. I can read it from here. You can read it at gymcitysports.com and it's Dayton-Dynamo-FC-Rip. And I just told you what the tile is. Take out the hyphens and there you go. Brian last week posted a series of tweets on his personal Twitter and Facebook lamenting the complete radio science 
the complete radio silence from the new owner of Dayton Dynamo FC. Which, no, it's not David Satterwhite. He's the minority owner. He was the full owner of the Cincinnati Saints slash Dayton Dynamo. But he sold it to the gentleman that runs the, I believe it's the check-and-go places. Anyway, Dynamo announced their move from semi-pro MPSL to a fully professional league. And several folks did ask Brian, send it to Dayton Daily News. But given that, you know, there's not a lot of coverage of outside the big, big name tickets in the paper, he figured, nah. So it's on the website, gemcitysports.com. You can go read it. I'm not going to read it word for word. I will read important points. Uh, Brian's a big supporter of the Dynamo. Supporter is soccer lingo for fan. And he's been a fan their two years of existence. And Jared Davis is the new owner. He was the owner of CNG Financial, which is numerous payday lending stores. I'm pretty sure it's check and go, like I mentioned. At the time, Dynamo were the fourth level of the United States Soccer Pyramid, which is semi-pro and amateur. David Satterwhite had aspirations to make the Dayton Dynamo fully professional. It takes a lot of money, takes a lot of resources to properly run a pro sports team. It took a lot to run the Dynamo as semi-pro. Also, the United States Soccer Federation requires that any club competing at the pro level have a controlling owner with a net worth of at least $10 million. Which he's not going to touch on that opinion himself. So, that's all good. Until the radio silence. So, after the Dynamo mentioned, okay, 2018, there's no team. Taking the year off to get ready for 2019 to have a pro level. We figured, hey, that's okay. Get your ships in order. Get your planes on the tarmac. You know, flight puns, soccer puns. There you go. And Brian mentions, like I did, there's a whole lot of nothing. Minimal social media interaction. No announcements. No releases. Nothing. The last tweet from the Dynamo mentioning anything was from April 14th of this year, saying, Be patient, hoping to have some news soon. And since then, not a lot. Mentions about Dayton sports scene in the middle. And he also brings up the point, as Alexi Lawless states in a well-known MLS commercial, Soccer doesn't have fans, it has supporters. These are fans that sing, cheer, chant, bang drums, wave flags, occasionally light smoke bombs, and basically create a festive atmosphere at games with the intention of motivating their club and intimidating their opponents. The Red Scare of UD do a very nice job of this at Bojan Field. It was a really nice turnout the first half of the St. Louis at UD game. So, scroll down, and the... Former sole owner David Satterwhite did tweet something the other day, the 26th of September. Sorry guys, been off Twitter for a while, just seeing your tweet, I still have nothing. Had I known it was going to turn out like this, I would have never sold it. No announcement has been made regarding the Dynamo's 2019 plans, if there are any, but given the ideal amount of time it takes to hype and market a professional sports team, the longer they wait, without so much as a peep the more likely it seems they will make it to 2019. And this is from Brian Reese's article. The tweet is pasted on there from Twitter user Davey something. I miss the Dynamo. I mean, the two summers that I worked with David Satterwhite and everyone, it was it was a great time. Good people. I mean, the first year for the Dynamo was rough on the pitch, but still, had a blast calling the games. Second year, Roger Glass Stadium... What a team that was. Had our own difficulties trying to set up the broadcasting stuff, but thank goodness for Coach Catherine Gordon with her with her business. Dead Edge Productions. She got it rolling for us, so that was really cool. 
So yes, I I miss the Dynamo, and I don't have any news at this point to share. If I did, it would go here, but I don't. Again, this is from Brian Reese. You can read it on GemCitySports.com. And also, if you follow Brian Reese on Twitter or Facebook, there's the article there as well. So this morning, I saw an invitation to like a Facebook page. And I did. And it is about the Dayton Wanderers FC Club. The logo has a D and a W in it. It's a circle badge with gems on the left and right side. Dayton Wanderers, future amateur soccer team that aims to kick off fall 2019 in Twitter user under, or Twitter user DASL underscore tweets. And going to that, it brings up open competitive amateur soccer in the Miami Valley. So you look at the two tweets on Dayton Wanderer's website. The first one is Brian's article about Dynamo FC. Rest in peace. And then <laughs> and then they share this article. No pyro, no party. General reveal party results in a massive fire and a $220,000 fine. Which doesn't relate to Dayton, Ohio at all, but still. <laughs> you just look at the picture. It's U.S. News and it's like, that's a big fire. What did you do with your smoke bombs? That's that's not supposed to happen. So, I don't know what the future of Dayton Wanderers are. That might be a future episode on the Gem of the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. As I find out more, you can learn more. So, there we go. So, you might know that FC Cincinnati is having a good year. Just how good of a year? Well... You got a little bit of season left to go, and FC Cincinnati has won the regular season in the USL. Quite a time for FC Cincinnati as their last, what would that be, 21 games. FC Cincinnati has won 17-0-4. Again, wins, losses, draws. FC Cincinnati hasn't lost since May. And a lot of events have happened since that time. I think the Reds lost... What was it, 60-some games in that stretch? I forget what it was, and I forget where the tweet is now, but yeah. FC Cincinnati leads USL, 75 points, a goal differential of a very sparkling plus 38, and a record, after 32 games, of 23-6-3. That's wins, draws, and losses. It switched from what I said before. But that's 23 wins, 3 losses, and 6 draws. And the last 5 games have all been W's for FC Cincinnati. Like I mentioned, huge, huge season. I mean, you're going to MLS next year. Your brand new soccer stadium is happening at the West End. The future couldn't be any brighter. You know you know that song, The Future's So Bright, I Gotta Wear Shades? Well, I think that guy's gotta wear like 5 pairs. He's got like flippable ones. Can you imagine that? Five flip up. Never mind. So yes, great 2018, but the job is not yet done. You still got playoffs, and FC Cincinnati in the previous two years have been first round exits. The cup is in your sights. Go to it, FC Cincinnati. We'll look at the USL East standings, by the way. Your top eight teams are as follows. These are the teams that get to the playoffs. Everyone else can go home. FC Cincinnati, like I mentioned, 23-6-3. That's wins, draws, and losses. You have a tie via points for second place between Louisville City and Pittsburgh Riverhounds. I believe both teams have clinched off a playoff spot, and Pittsburgh, I saw on Twitter, has a home match for the playoffs. The Riverhounds have 15 wins, 12 ties, and 4 losses. Louisville City has 16 wins, 9 draws, and 6 losses. Both teams with 57 points. Louisville City has the better goal differential. They have 7 more goals compared to their counterpart, Pittsburgh. Plus 29 for Louisville City, plus 22 for the Riverhounds, and both teams with 31 games in the books. Fourth place are the Charleston Battery. 32 games, 13 wins, 14 draws, 5 losses, 53 points. Goal differential plus 12. Fifth place, Indy 11. Their goal differential took a hit after FC Cincinnati's 3-0 win. 
Indy 11, 13, 9, and 10, 48 points. And watching some of the highlights of the Bengals-Colts game, it's weird not to see the touch lines at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. It's weird to see the Colts play there. That's weird. When have they played there? Football team there? Get out of here. <laughs> Bethlehem still sixth place. 13 wins, 7 draws, and 12 losses, 46 points. Oliver Fury right behind Bethlehem with 45 points. They're 13, 6, and 14. North Carolina FC currently above the playoff line. 12, 8, and 11 for 44 points. Nashville SC just under it. They're tied with 44 points. But North Carolina FC with a better goal differential at plus 10 compared to Nashville's plus 8. Both teams have 44 points. North Carolina 12, 8, and 11. Nashville 11, 11, and 9. New York Red Bulls 2, 10, 13, and 8. They're in 10th place with 43 points. Tampa Bay 11, 7, and 13 for 40 points. Charlotte in 12th, 38 points, 9, 11, and 11. Penn FC, formerly the Harrisburg City Islanders. I like Penn FC's new identification. Don't get me wrong. They're at negative 7 at gold differential. Charlotte, not the first negative gold differential. Actually, the Ottawa Fury who are in 7th place, they're at negative 10. Penn, 9, 8, and 14. Atlanta United, 2, and 14th. 5, 8, and 17. Negative 37. Richmond Kickers, 6, 4, and 22. That's 22 losses. Remember, wins, draws, and losses are the standings in the USL. And they've lost their last five, have the Richmond Kickers. And Toronto FC, 2, 4, 4, and 23. Negative 33. That's your USL East. And on FC Cincinnati's website, it doesn't bother to show me the West. So there you go. FC Cincinnati, quite the year. And also they broke their own attendance record again. Surprise, surprise. They they have a good tendency to do that. Regular season crowd. The regular season home finale at Nippert Stadium. 31,478 fans. That's a lot of fans. 21 straight matches without a loss for FC Cincinnati. Winning streak is now at 10 for FC Cincinnati. That's a USL record as well. So FC Cincinnati, that's the ticket to see in Cincinnati along with the Cincinnati Bengals. So FC Cincinnati, great year. Bengals 3-1. Tough loss last week. They come back and win it with 30 seconds left in the contest at Atlanta 37-36 the Tyler Eifert injury does scare me a little bit but I mentioned I do have good feelings about Croft he did this thing last year too and I think he had 100 yards today for today yes because he's playing this morning no he had 100 yards in Atlanta's win it was a tough loss to see Cleveland. They were up two touchdowns when I was watching it. And I was I was telling my girlfriend, Browns could tie for the second time this year. That looks more like a soccer record. And I know football fans are going to throw their beer bottles at their devices and at me, but, you know. So what else is going on in the wonderful, wonderful world of sports in the Sunday area? We'll call it soccer. Let me tell you about the two D1 schools in town. UD... And Wright State. Let's start with Wright State. They are undefeated in their matches thus far. And they took down Detroit Mercy on the road 4-2. And they have a big juicy matchup at home against UIC this Saturday. They do have a non-conference tilt. It's a big one. They are at Virginia on Tuesday. I believe the Cavaliers are, what, 12th? Wright State's ranked number 15 by top drawer soccer. I mentioned this on the ESPN Plus broadcast against Duquesne. Raiders, 8 wins, 1 draw, 3-0 record in the HL, and first place all to themselves. It's nice. UIC got upset by Cleveland State, and the Vikings picked up their first or second win in the HL, leaving the Raiders all alone on the top of the mountain, but like I mentioned, Raiders and Flames happening Saturday. It's Wright State's homecoming, so Alumni Field is going to be packed, I hope. 
and I hope to see a lot of bodies in the seats of alumni. Getting a chance to be the PA announcer of Wright State's homecoming for the past, I guess this would be my fourth homecoming, it's it's a real honor. It's a real pleasure. I mean, it's my alma mater. I remember when I was in college going to every single match where I'd be broadcasting it or just hanging out and cheering. This Wright State team looks to be very, very special. Coach Slemker's taken over a Raiders squad for Brian Davis, who's been there for 10 years. And Coach Slemker steps into the head coaching role, and this Raider team doesn't miss a beat. It's quite outstanding to see such a job well done thus far. Still a lot of soccer to go for Wright State's men. Like I mentioned, Virginia's on tap tomorrow on the road. And I think it's on some sort of... Yeah, it's on ACC Network Extra. You can watch it there. And then Raiders are back home for two. They'll have UIC this Saturday. And then on Tuesday, the 9th, Raiders will host West Virginia before going back on the road to take on Oakland and the Golden Grizzlies. Very exciting time. Can't wait to see how this Raider team turns up. You finish well enough in the Horizon League, you either get to host the semifinals in the final match, or if you fall third or fourth you get a quarterfinal game. So that means more work for this announcer. I love more work. So yes, Raiders... By the way, the last three games, the Raiders have failed to score less than four goals. Raiders scored four against Cleveland State all in the first half, and that was Alec Philippe with a hat trick. The Raiders scored three in the first half, three in the second half, all in the first few minutes of the second half, I might add, against Duquesne. And the Raiders scored two in each half at Detroit Mercy. This Raider team is rolling along. And like I mentioned, this offense, it's just just amazing to see this Raider team. We'll go to the women's side before talking about UD men's soccer and women's soccer. Figure finish it off there. The women's squad, they had a rough five-game losing stretch. They're 3-6-2 overall, but 2-1-1 in the conference. And that includes a win on the road at Oakland, a win at home against Green Bay in OT. They tied with Northern Kentucky. The Norse had eight shots on frame compared to the Raiders' three, but held strong with a very impressive NKY team, NKU team, sorry. It's not even hockey season yet, and I'm already confusing the Norse hockey team and the Norse collegiate team. There's a big difference. Hockey team wears red. NKU does not. There you go. They fell at Milwaukee 3-2. to Milwaukee has been the top of the Horizon League women's soccer pyramid for quite some time now. It's a loss, but at the same time, you held tough with a very tough Panther squad. Raiders are back home Saturday. They'll take on UIC at 3. The men will play at 7 for Wright State's homecoming. And like I mentioned in the scores, Wright State football will host Ohio State at noon. So you have lots of Raider sports to come out and watch. Support your Raiders if you go to Wright State. Or if you're a Wright State fan. Or you're nearby. Or you like me as an announcer. I don't know. So Raiders and UIC homecoming. Women at 3. Men at 7. Come out and watch both these teams. You will not be disappointed. Men's soccer for UD. Flyers are having a good year. 4-2-4. That's four wins, two losses, and four draws. And one draw in conference play. That was Saturday's game against St. Louis, where the Billikens spotted a quick 2-0 deficit early on the second half for the Flyers. But UD chipped away, and that was that. A point for both St. Louis and a point for the Flyers as UD will be on the road at St. Bonaventure Wednesday the 3rd at 7 before coming home on the 6th to take on Davidson and the Wildcats. The Flyers in the last four games, they're 1-1-2. That's a win, a loss, and two draws. They drew at Oakland. Last year, Oakland came to UD, and the Flyers put up a six spot against the Golden Grizzlies. That was also the night my dad had to come out and fix my slash tire. That was fun. 
if you have no concept of what fun is. The Flyers fell to West Virginia. That's a very tough Mountaineer squad. They're coming to Wright State on the 9th, like I mentioned. Did not get to play in the game against Nova Kentucky, thanks to all that wonderful rain we had last week. And it got rained out. Nova Kentucky ended up playing, I think they played Bethel College, which is out of Kentucky, towards the Lexington area. Anyway, this Flyers squad, they're dealing with some injuries. Jonas Fjellberg, who runs most of the offense as midfield for the Flyers. He did not play at all against St. Louis. But still, the Flyers got it done and produced a draw with St. Louis. And now UD will have St. Bonaventure on the road, Davidson at home, Rhode Island on the road, and LaSalle at home. UMass on the road, VCU at home, and Fordham on the road to close out 2018. The Atlantic 10 championships are held at St. Louis this year. It also says the quarterfinals are at St. Louis too, but that um, it used to be if you hosted the event, everyone that made the playoffs came to your facility. And that was a lot of fun. That was seven games. One year IPA announced all of them. The next year I broadcasted most of them. It was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to see soccer. And I know the people that work hard, you know, it's a lot of work, but they do a great job. So for the men, your semifinals and finals are at SLU. I didn't know that the fans like to call their institution SLU. I thought it was just, you know, a phrase. It's like, ha SLU, SLU, which is St. Louis University. It's like the fans that know about IUPUI, they call it ooey pooey, and I don't, yeah. There you go. I don't call them ooey pooey, except I said it on the podcast, so I kind of did. Sorry. The women's soccer flyers are 5-5-2, moving along. 1-2-1 in conference play. They picked up their first A-10-W at home against St. Joseph's, 1-0. Before that, the flyers fell 4-0 to VCU, tied at Duquesne, and fell at George Mason, 1-2. 2-1. The flyers have St. Louis at home Thursday the 4th. Thursday the 11th, home against LaSalle, and October 21st, that's a Sunday, that's a regular season finale against UMass. This year, the A-10 Women's Soccer Championships at Beaujean Field. It's cool to help with the championship there. Women's Soccer will host semifinals and the finals, which is November 2nd and the 4th, and the A-10 quarterfinals are listed at campus sites. So I wonder if they changed it back to the men or that's just a misprint. I don't know. Flyers 5-5-2 five, five, and 1-2-1 and one, two, and one in a 10 play. Well, now look at the volleyball squads because both volleyball teams are doing quite well this year. Flyers did fall in their last game. It was a four-set decision for VCU. And the Flyers now have to travel to Pennsylvania, take on Duquesne first, then LaSalle. Flyers are 12 and 5 and 3 and 1 in A10 play. As we look back at the Raiders, first year head coach Allie Matters and also assistant coach Dan O'Keefe. Last year was the volunteer assistant for the Dayton Flyers. The Raiders volleyball squad had a rough Northeastern Ohio trip. They fell in both games to Youngstown State and Cleveland State, three sets to one. Raiders 9-7 overall, 1-3 in Horizon League play, and they will be on the road again. They're at Oakland on the 3rd, and then back home against Green Bay. Because Detroit Mercy does not field a volleyball team, that gives you 9, and the scheduling's a little... When you have all 10 teams in the Horizon League, your travel sessions are nice, because you know Wright State, Norfolk, Kentucky are traveling partners, Cincinnati, Dayton, bam Northeast Ohio, Cleveland State, Youngstown State, bam Detroit area, Detroit Mercy, Oakland bam, Wisconsin's got Milwaukee, Green Bay, bam it used to be that Loyola, Chicago was in with UIC, bam but now it's UIC and IUPUI which is Chicago, Indianapolis, that's still not bad, it used to be UIC, Valpo, but Valpo took off so a little bit more miles for the Flames to hit Indianapolis, but still, it's not bad. 
But there you go. Raiders 9-7 and seven, did have a tough Northeast Ohio trip. They'll be back home Sunday the 7th at 2 to take on the Green Bay Phoenix. Then they'll come back home on the 14th, another Sunday match. Normally volleyball doesn't have any Sunday matches, but October 14th, it'll be Northern Kentucky coming in. October 26th, that's a Friday at 6. IUPUI's in town. Halloween, October 31st, Raiders host the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. You can hear me, PA, and expect a lot of Halloween puns, if I can get away with it. If I can't, then never mind. And then to close out the year, November 9th, November 10th, you got Cleveland State and Youngstown State. And the tournament is won by the top seed, which we can check that out right now. Still a lot of season to be played. Raiders had a very nice non-conference tilt this year. Eight and three. No, eight and four. Excuse me. Eight and three was Nova Kentucky's record. So the future's bright for the two D1 squads here for both for all three sports that I mentioned. While we're waiting on this to load, can you believe that college basketball is almost upon us? I can't. I mean, practices started last week, and pretty soon you're going to have scrimmages, exhibitions, and then here's the season. It's plopped on you. Cleveland State, by the way, is your Horizon League leaders at the moment. They're 4-0. Vikings have always had a good squad under Chuck Voss. And Coach Voss recruits a lot around Southwest Ohio, too. There was a Miami East volleyball player that went up to CSU, but I'm... I'm blanking on her name. I'm sorry. Norfolk, Kentucky, and Green Bay, 3-1. and one. UIC, IUPUI, 2-2. Two and two. Wright State, Youngstown State, Oakland, and Milwaukee, 1-3 each. Never see that big of a log jam for the same conference record, but it's early, so there you go. That's your look at college soccer, college volleyball. There's something else I wanted to bring up. Wittenberg Tigers are trying a new thing. This is from the Springfield News Sun on September 25th, so about a week ago. Wittenberg University will stop charging admission for regular season football and men's and women's basketball games, athletic director Gary Williams said. The athletic department already stopped selling tickets for other sporting events. That's pretty big, because if you look at most institutions around here, if football's not your big gem, men's basketball definitely is. Wright State it is. UD, good luck trying to get tickets out there because the Flyers pack UD Arena. That's that's a nice house for basketball. You get what I'm saying. Men's basketball and football are your big draws. If you don't have football, then men's basketball is your gem. Attendance at Wittenberg athletic events was really good for many decades, Williams said. In the last 10 years or so, they saw a steady decline. And he's not sure exactly what it could be attributed to. It could be many different things, and Wittenberg is not alone in this. I mean, if you look, nowadays it's it's tough. It's tough out there. It, it's it been tough. And, you know, next thing, the last thing you need to spend is sports, because you need saving on bills, or you know, everything like that. So, Wittenberg's trying something new. The increase in the number of events fans can watch live on the internet is probably the top reason attendance has declined, which, fair enough, but at the same time, the maybe there's parents out there that can't make it to Springfield. D3 is non-scholarship. I mean, you can get academic scholarships still, but sports, you don't hand out scholarships. D1 and 2, you do. D1 has more scholarships than D2. But, at the same time, you know, you got to get people through the doors. So Wittenberg's trying trying something new. They did a cost-benefit analysis, and they're going to try free admission to football and men's and women's basketball games. Say, hey, Miami Valley, come out and watch your Tigers play. Mention Wittenberg's number 14 in D3. And number one would be from Alliance, Ohio, Mount Union, and the Raiders. There was a... The Purple Raiders, I'm sorry. There was a clip of a highlight of the Purple Raiders win. I think it was against Earlham. My being it's Rolls Human. 
one of the Mountain Union defenders just strips the ball. It's like, here, I'll take that. Whoop. <laughs> I don't know why. I just laugh so much on that. Fifteen years ago, Wittenberg's home opener in football drew a little over 4,000 fans at 4,023. Ten years ago, 3,140 fans. This season opener, 1,545. And with no omission, just last Saturday, Wittenberg drew 2,500 and four. So, it'll be interesting to see what the results are for Wittenberg. I, I applaud them for trying something new. I mean, Springfield, Ohio, that's that's your collegiate team, Wittenberg. You don't have, like, Springfield University or Springfield College or whatever. You got Wittenberg, Clark State, which is a community college. They're southern part. They're by 72. Try to think if there's any other colleges in Clark County. I feel like I'm missing one, but I, I don't know. Cedarville. But that's Green County, but never mind. I can't think of anything Springfield-wise. But you gotta give you gotta give Wittenberg a hand on this. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. You get more butts to the door, sure. You don't charge a missing, but then you might make it back on, you know, concessions. I forgot what that word was. Concessions. Events will remain free throughout this year, and Williams, the AD, expects the policy to continue in future years. Fans will still have to pay to see conference tournament games or NCAA games held at Wittenberg. So, if you're nearby Springfield, give Wittenberg a chance. They got good sports. They got good teams. Like I mentioned, their football team is ranked number 14. You had a Wittenberg Tiger on the Dynamo's last team in Zaragoza. So, they deserve your attention just as much as anyone does in Miami Valley. I don't want to hear, oh, the D3. So, it just means there's no scholarships handout. There's still athletes competing. There's still athletes at the end of the day, part of a group, part of a team, part of a family. So that's something that caught my eye. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Compared to the places I work at, Wright State charges five bucks to get in soccer matches. That's not bad. Students can get in free with a right one card and just show them like, here, like, okay. UD, you get in for free for soccer, both soccers, volleyball, baseball, and softball. Women's basketball, I don't know what the exact amount is to get in. It's not it's not much. Men's basketball, yeah, that's the that's the pride and gem of UD. Whereas Wright State, it's about the same. Women's basketball, I think, was five bucks. Men's basketball is a little bit more. The one game I did go to as an alum, I didn't get an alumni discount, which made me sad, but whatever. I watched Wright State in Cincinnati, and Sean Kilpatrick had himself a day and a half. It was like 21-7 at one point. It was it was insane. Anyway, that caught my eye, and that wraps up episode 64! Now I want to play my Nintendo 64, if only I knew where it was. So again, I'm about ready to reach my thousandth broadcast I hit 200 events at UD as a PA announcer. I reached 120 at Wright State. And I'm just happy to be here. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I know it was a lot of updates. But it's nice to come back and do a solo episode every now and again. Been fun talking with you. Episode 65 will be next week. No slump. No one month slump for me this year. We're just going to keep rolling. Future guests, I don't know. We'll find out as we go along. This is the Jam on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Talk to you in episode 65. This has been another installment of the Jam on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mowen, spelled T-H-E-L-E-E-W-M-O-W-E-N, and the podcast on Twitter 
at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmowen.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.